Okay, today my guest is Professor Ulf Anderson. Uh, I'll keep my introduction short to maximize our time with him. In the next 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about Ulf as a person. Professor Anderson is a thought leader and an esteemed scholar, and finally is a mentor to many PhD students and junior faculty. For the sake of time, I'll skip many of his accomplishments and give you a very quick snapshot. Professor Anderson is an uh, AIB fellow and a fellow of the European International Business Academy. He is a senior editor of Journal of World Business and was an area editor at JIBS. He is or was an editorial board member in JIBS Global Strategy Journal, International Business Review, the European International Business Academy, and has published over 80 journal articles, books, and book chapters, received the 2019 AIB Silver Medal for his contributions to JIBS. He has served AIB as the secretary of AIB Western European chapter and a member of the executive committee at the AIB UK and Ireland chapter. He's a founding member of the Nord IB program. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Ilgas. Uh, first question, what did you want to become when you were a child? Oh, that I, I don't know if I actually had any dreams. Well, dreams, yes. Probably something in sports. I was very active in sports. So professional of some sort in handball or football. But that's, uh, I, I think I knew that was a dream already when I was a kid. Where did you grow up? Oh, I, I grew up in, in the forest, basically. In, in uh, not, not middle of Sweden, but south of the middle of Sweden and to the west. In a, in a small town. Okay. With, with a big industry, ABB, okay. which now is, is almost gone. Now it's Hitachi Electric. Um, okay. That's where I grew up. And can you remember the uh, earliest moment uh, that you realized there was a difference between the domestic versus the, the international? Uh, I, I actually thought a little bit about that. And... and uh, I know when I when I was a kid, I mean, we, we went to Norway, we went to Finland, we went to Denmark uh, and, and stuff like that, Ma mainly Norway, actually. And, and I never considered that to be uh, foreign to some extent. I, I think actually the, the first feeling of uh, uh, domestic and, and international is, is from TV. It uh, was quite a lot of... of um, horrifying pictures from, from Africa and starving kids and, and, and stuff like that. that that's probably my first. Interesting. Uh, how did you choose academia? Oh, that's, that, that, that's uh, completely by chance. I, I didn't, uh, I mean, I have an uncle who did some studies in uh, in the university and I, I came in by chance from the beginning and then I didn't want to leave. So, so when I wrote my, my thesis, I, I thought it was very fun and I didn't know what to expect on the other side. So I, I sort of cl clinged on to academia. And this uncle of yours, was it uh, management or, or no? I, it, it, it was uh, political science, I think. Uh, but he worked very much as, uh, uh, well, in business administration for, for Scania. 
until he retired. You, and how did you choose IB within academia? Oh, I, IB was completely serendipitous. It, I, I got the chance when, when I applied for becoming a PhD. I mean, there was no finance or anything like that for doing a PhD. So they asked me if I could teach. So I, I started out as, as a lecturer um, for a couple of years. And then I was invited to a project where they had gotten money and they were studying headquarters subsidiary relationships. So that sort of defined it. I think my, my training is, is actually in organization and management. So, but, but IB was not something I thought about. But on the other hand, I mean, IB and particularly internationalization was very um, prominent uh, in Uppsala, where I, I did my PhD with, with Jan Johansson and all these guys, Mats Forsgren. Perfect. Uh, something that is not on your CV, but people might find interesting about you. Oh, um, well, I, I'm very keen on fly fishing um, and, and hiking. So I, I spend as much as I can on my spare time in the mountains and forests, fly fishing for trout and, and so on. Or I sit at my desk and, and tie the flies to catch these. That, that's really... <laughs> That's my, my, my big thing. Well, well, uh, how big was the biggest fish you ever caught or almost oh, I don't know how big the biggest fish. It's, it's different in different species, of course. I don't think I've gotten a, any very big fish. It's, uh, it's not about that. It's, 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 it's an excuse to get out in, in, in the forests and, uh, and thrive and making forests or making fires and being in a tent. But I, I, I love the, um, the sport as such and sort of luring a fish to, to bite on your fly. It's... But when you go out to fish uh, for fly fishing, do you actually stay outside? Like, do, do you, uh, is it like a daily thing for you or do you camp? No, it's not a daily. Unfortunately, it, it's, it's not much of, of fly fishing you can do around where I live, but uh, we are, we are a couple of, of buddies who have been together for 30 years and we, we go up in the mountains in the north of Sweden. We travel to Patagonia and uh, all sorts of places, Mo mostly in the Nordic countries, but we are endeavorous and, and go other places too. And, and we stay in tents and it's, it's, it's lovely. Perfect. Uh, if you stopped doing what you're doing, today. Uh, what's the second best career path for you? What would you do? Oh, I, I have no plans of stopping what I'm doing. I'm, I'm far too keen on, on, on this profession. It, it, it would be, I haven't really thought about it, but I, 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 like, I like interactions with people. That, that's a, a very important thing to me. But, but it would probably have to be something that gave me more time to be out fly fishing or spend with my, my grandkids. Perfect. Uh, the regret question, what is one thing you wish you would have done uh, or done differently? Oh, there's, there's probably a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> that you regret, but, but I don't ponder much uh, on that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in what I'm doing currently and what I want to do next. Um, I, 
yeah, I, I, I think I'm much more now. It's not like I, I haven't made stupid things, but uh, <laughs> or wish I should have done things. But that's uh, I, I'm more interested in what I'm doing currently and what I'm gonna do next, actually. Perfect. And uh, for, for the last question for the personal segment, uh, what are you most passionate about? Oh, most passionate about. Uh, well, I, I, I mean, fly fishing, as I said, but uh, uh, also the grandkids. And, and I also like to cook. I, I very much like cooking. And that's something I, I get to do every day, basically. So. Thank you. Now, uh, let's say uh, you're stranded in a small village uh, or you're stranded in the middle of the woods. People come to you. They are curious about you. Uh, they want to find out more about your careers, your life. How do you explain your research and the importance of your research to people who don't read jibs regularly? Oh, that, that, that's, that's a really tough question, uh, I, I must say. It's, uh, there's so many layers um, uh, you could think about and, and, and explaining it to a layman, I, I think they would be not very interested actually in, in that. But, but I mean, if, if you take, if, if you take sort of the, the idea of embedding the embeddedness part of, of a subsidiary and, and you, put it over to, to individuals. I mean, it would be the very situation to some extent. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're stranded in, in a pub, I mean, go have a beer with the, with the strangers and, and try to understand uh, what they like and, and what they do. Um, that, that's it. So I, I don't have a very good elevator pitch on this actually. Okay. Uh, and there's time to develop that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll try to. <laughs> uh, some of the omitted variables or neglected elements of um, uh, IB research, maybe things that we have overlooked or maybe we need to remember again to emphasize more. I, I, I think to, to some extent uh, we need to be better in, in understanding um, the, the individual level, the team's level, I mean, micro foundations, better understanding of how the, the actions of individuals and people uh, are linked to, to aggregated measures of, of performance, uh, widely speaking. I, I think that is, um, is something we have to be better on. I mean, we talk, we talk about it sometimes in, in, in terms of, uh, uh, I mean, these, these big CEOs and, and, and what they've done and how they've driven uh, the m &E. But this is, is equally important. Uh, I mean, looking at top managers or, or project leaders and, and how they do things and what spurs different activities uh, among those peoples. And, and that have a, a true effect on, on, on the bottom line, so to speak. I mean, we, we, 
we tend to put things on 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 a level where it's not uh, suitable so like entrepreneurial orientation of a subsidiary i mean of course the subsidiary is not entrepreneurial in in itself it's the people and and what they do that sort of in the end aggregated gives us something i i think that is an important part where we need more research so you're saying omitted variable is the people at the uh, not at the top not at the c-suite but at the uh, the factory floor is this what you're saying the, excuse me say say it again so you're talking about the employees in the organization or teams within uh, subsidiaries uh, but not the top decision makers the ceos of the big corporation is this oh, what you're it, saying it, It could be fairly senior people in 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 a subsidiary, for instance. Uh, but but I mean, it's it it's what they do. Uh, so, so what people do, what activities they actually attend to, has different consequences. Uh, I mean, uh, a, a little bit. Look look at managers. We we think about entrepreneurial things. So what what can they do? Well, they. They put themselves and attend to certain things, and it is this attention to certain things that has an effect uh, in many ways. And uh, I, I think though those are are important things to bring to life. So the, the micro foundations of of uh, of organizations, uh, how particular activities that managers do actually contribute to the, the aggregated results. Okay. Okay. Uh, Ulf, uh, how do you work? How, how do you write? Uh, how do you come up with uh, interesting research topics? Or uh, what's the source of uh, your scholarship? It, 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 it's very much about sort of the interaction with people. Uh, I would say a, a lot of the ideas and, and the things that, that I do comes from, I mean, of course, seeing things um, in reality, in the press and in, among companies, but very often it, it's about how you can think about theory and how that would play out in certain situations, which, which sort of comes up when you speak to your colleagues and your co-authors and, and stuff like that. So people that you are, I mean, friends with, not just have a professional uh, relationship to. I mean, that that letting your your mind wander around and, and thinking about what you've done, what you could have done differently, and how you can sort of get into the next paper. So it's it's very often spurred by by interaction. I think you write every day. Unfortunately, not. Uh, I, I think that is a, that's a very good quality. I know Nikolai Foss, uh, a dear friend, he writes every day. <laughs> And you can see that on, on how much he is publishing. I mean, uh, I think it's important. Writing is, is the most difficult part, I think, in many ways. I mean, I mean, writing so that someone else understands what you are trying to get at. And... Uh, I, unfortunately, I don't write every day. Some days I just read. 
I mean, uh, I remember Nikolai uh, Fosso's uh, interview. Yes, he did mention he writes every day at least 800 words. And I did count uh, a couple of times how, how much 800 words look like on a piece of paper. It's just uh, some days uh, it is more, some days it is just two sentences and I'm uh, stuck. Uh, it's, it's different, but it does keep you uh, at a certain pace. I mean, it's a good trait uh, to develop eventually. Yeah. Um, I, I tell my PhD students to do it, but <laughs> can you do it? It's, it's a bit different. What is the next five to 10 years uh, of the field? Uh, what's going to be the next important big questions, big waves in the IB field in the next five to 10 years? I, 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 I think that the, the micro foundations uh, ideas are, are going to be more prominent uh, over the next five to 10 years. I think we're going to see people trying to sort of connect downwards and connect upwards uh, to, to the firm level, to the subsidiary level, and looking at, at what happens underneath. Um, but, but I also think that we have started a, a journey on, on more precise measurements and being more uh, meticulous about effect sizes and, and things like that, which probably um, might help us to, to be much more direct in terms of how we talk to managers and, and how they can uh, utilize our research in, in a better way uh, as decision in, in their decision making. So I, I, I think this, this trend of, of more sophisticated methods is, is going to be an important part of it. Uh, when you talk to PhD students about things that they should be interested in, and when you mentioned, for example, micro foundations, uh, are there things that you say that they uh, should not be wasting their time on uh, because it has been done or it has been done too, too much, that there's too much uh, effort already in it, that, that, that uh, uh, the benefits, the marginal returns are going to be rather uh, very small. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's uh, it's to some extent different when you if, if you think about PhD students as as PhD students sort of have to finish and uh, uh, need to within a pretty short time frame uh, come up with something that is sort of a contribution and is it's done in a rigorous way. But I mean, generally speaking, I, I don't think that there are that there are dead ends uh, uh, to some extent because I mean I mean there are I mean there's been a lot of studies on entry modes uh, for instance we we know quite a lot about entry modes and so on but with with better measurements with with more sophisticated methods I mean there might actually be more things to say about that and and I I think the most important thing for PhD students is 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 the passion that they think something is fun. And, and I mean, pu pulling them in, in a different direction than what they actually think is fun is, is probably more dangerous, I think. In, even if, if their thesis in, in the end makes a less, lesser contribution, as long as there is a contribution and, and there is something there, I think their passion and what they think is fun is, okay. is, is what's going to drive the process. 
No, it, it's fair. Uh, uh, so uh, looking back, looking back at the evolution of scholarship in IB uh, from uh, what it was, uh, obviously there's an, uh, there's a progress towards uh, something new, right? Uh, in this uh, evolution, uh, what did we lose? What did we gain along the way? And uh, what, what do you think about the, the path that we are uh, headed, uh, headed to? I mean, it, we have become more and more micro and, it, and we have become trying to more and more understand um, things underneath. Um, it very much was, was sort of uh, on, on the firm level, on the M&E level uh, to start with. Um, my, my own research has, has very much to do with the the, the constituent parts of an enemy, the subsidiaries and, and, and their efforts and, and, and strife and, and, and so on. Um, and, and now I'm talking about micro foundations. Now we're gonna look at the people in, in the subsidiaries. So I, I, I guess what we've lost to some extent is, is um, a more overarching uh, security in saying this, this is how firms work. Um, and, and to some extent, what we've gained is uh, a much better understanding of why they work as they work. And sometimes that connection is, isn't completely clear. So that there, I don't know, but I, I, I think IB has, has developed into a much more diverse field than it was earlier, uh, for good and for bad. To, to some extent. I, I think it's mostly for good. Okay. About uh, the advice portion, the mentoring portion, who, who was your advisor when you were going through the program? It, it was Mats Forsgren mainly and, and John Johansson. Uh, but Mats Forsgren was my, my main supervisor. And uh, what kind of uh, things that you wish you had known when you were starting out that would save a lot of time and effort, pain and agony? No, I, I don't think there is anything particular that, that I, I would have liked to know before I started. I mean, uh, I, I was eager coming into this project that, that they started, Mats and, and, and Janet, and I did it together with, with a couple of other PhD students at the same time. And, and it was brilliant. Um, it, it, it's been a, a learning journey ever since, basically. It was, uh, it was You're a fantastic- You're talking about your cohort, right? You're talking about your uh, peers. Well, I'm not talking about the cohort. The cohort was much bigger. So we were actually four PhD students um, enrolled into this particular project on, on subsidiary headquarter relationships in Swedish MNCs. And, and we set out going, interviewing a hundred of these subsidiaries around Europe mainly, a little bit in US and Mexico, but, and, and, and a couple in Turkey, but otherwise mainly Western Europe. So, so we traveled around and we, we met managers, sales managers, subsidiary managers and, and interviewed them. So, I mean, I've, I've seen quite many factories <laughs> actually uh, around the world. And, and it, it, it was a brilliant experience. It was uh, re really rewarding, I, I must say. 
Um, so it's not that I, I, I wish I would have known something uh, beforehand. I, I'm just soaking everything up and um, it, has, it has really helped me in, in my career, I must say. Which skills were most difficult to develop? Writing. Um, definitely writing. I mean, particularly if, if it's not your native language. I mean, that, that has an effect on how eloquently you can, you can put things and how you can nuance uh, uh, the language. Uh, so so lear learning to write in such a way that you can persuade the reader and take the reader along so you reach sort of the same page after each sentence or each paragraph. That's, uh, that, that's really the, the hard part, I think, in this. But, I mean, you can learn it. You can learn. You read, you read, you read, and you try, you try, you try, and, and you learn. And what are some of the common mistakes that you see uh, that PhD students or junior faculty uh, make? And what are some of the things that uh, you would say don't do? Uh, early in their career? Oh, that's, um, I mean, as, as I said, I, I like the interaction. I, I like, I, I, don't, I don't like to write papers on my own. I, I need the, the interaction with, with my co-authors. I need to talk to them and, and to develop the thoughts together. Um, I, I think that's very important. And I, I think that's something that many PhD students uh, also thinks and understands. Um, but there, there, there is, of course, uh, a fair amount of luck here that, that you meet the, the right persons and, and that uh, both are sort of gaining from interacting with each other. And, and sometimes I think PhD students might um, try to co-author with, with people that are not really going to help them out. It's, it's, I mean, there, there might be an expert in, in, in a certain field or something, but that expert might not be the best co-author for, for PhD students. And, and it's, it's a lot of, of trial and error. Who, who can you work with and, and who, who can't you work with? That, that's, uh, that's a difficult thing. And, and, and the other is probably to uh, spread yourself too much, be involved in too many things, which is, is more common, I think, I mean, in, when you're junior than, than when, when you're a PhD student, that you, you, you understand how important it is to, to publish, to sort of bring your ideas forth and... and uh, I mean, it's it's a pressure to publish, and and you might easily spread yourself in too many projects in terms of papers, and that might become very stressful. <laughs> because I, I, I mean, what happens is, of course, that all papers comes back after submission at the same time. So, so so it's it's difficult. It would be lovely if you could have one paper. And, and you finish that and, and, and so on. But we usually have a couple of papers going or even more. So finding the balance between how many papers you can actually work on and, and make a contribution to and not, not becoming 
<laughs> too stressed. Uh, well, I want to ask you, what's your advice to mid-career and senior faculty? For mid-career people, I, I think it, probably uh, an important thing is, is to start thinking again about a, a wider research question, a, a wider area where, where you can make, where you can sort of write more papers within the same uh, question, so to speak. I mean, speaking to something which is slightly larger. I think as a junior faculty, you will try to do more things um, and, and spread yourself a little bit, but it's important to come back and, and sort of stick to something which which you can make more contributions to or, or several contributions to i should say for very senior i i think that the most important thing is to to be kind and and, and help out and with, with younger people yep. and uh, for the sake of time what is the question that i should have asked you but haven't oh uh, that I, I I I don't know uh, what that should be. I mean I mean I I, <laughs> I, I mean <coughs> maybe I mean to go back to my own research in 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 the sense that that I mean you are not completely able to to make decisions or or. I mean, put, put your direction of things. Uh, you can't do that all alone. I mean, there are always things around that uh, sort of will influence this. And, and it, it, it's really important to, to have a partner which, which helps you out because sometimes you are working too much and you have too much on your plate and, and having someone who understands that that's what you do. I, I think that's important. Maybe it's not a question, but <laughs> it's it's an important thing for us to be able to keep our careers going. We need to have an environment which is understanding. You have to be embedded in the right place. That's. Uh, <clears throat> well, thank you so much for your time. I learned thank a lot. I'm much. sure the audience will agree with me. It was a pleasure uh, having this conversation with you. Thanks. A pleasure for me too. Thank you.